Welcome to Sacred Intersections Podcast, where we navigate the twisty roads of harmful theology, mental health, and religious abuse. I'm Jill. I'm an ordained pastor in the Presbyterian Church USA. And I'm Paula. I'm a licensed counselor and a counseling professor. And Jill, here we are in episode eight. It's the end of the year. 2020 is almost over as we're recording this. It is. We've got mere days left, and we are praying and knocking on wood and uh, and all of the other good luck charms that come that perhaps the closing days of 2020 will not bring anything too extraordinary. <laughs> I think nothing would surprise us at this point. Right. That is and, also true. And I also am trying to remind myself that the clock ticking midnight is not going to magically make a new world. But dang, I am ready to put this year in the rearview mirror. Yes. <laughs> Be it's done. Been... And it also, like, what's the television show? I think it's uh, that old game show, Whose Line Is It Anyway, where points don't matter and nothing means anything. And I remember early on in the pandemic, someone saying that that's what 2020 was. Uh. Like, time means nothing. Because, like, something that happened back in March feels like five minutes ago and 30 years ago. At the same time. All at the same time. So time is a unique passing yes for sure and as people you know other podcasts are doing retrospectives and looking back at the year and all their highs and lows we kind of giggled and said maybe we should do that (laughs) and then we kind of giggled and said we only have eight episodes out (laughs) or actually this is episode eight but then we said no time means nothing let's do it why not (laughs) so it might be a little pretentious of us you may think to look back on seven episodes and two months worth of of content, but uh, but we actually do so really earnestly because we've gotten really wonderful feedback in the form of emails and social media comments and direct messages and things like that. And you all have given us a really lovely gift when we when we started this podcast. One of the many hopes was that a community would be created, and and we have friends. Like yeah. it's been really lovely to interact with you. It's been a real joy. Yes, there's nothing more fun than for us to get a message. Whichever one of us sees it first will furiously text the other person and make sure that we see it. I'm always scared to click on it because I don't know if that means it will no longer show up for Jill. So so I want to be sure that we we both see all the wonderful things that you were sending to us. So we really did think that even though it's only been seven episodes prior to this one, that we would take a little bit of time, maybe do perhaps a shorter episode right here at the end of the year and answer some questions that we've received from y'all and share some thoughts, let y'all hear some of other listeners' thoughts rather than just hearing ours all the time. Um, don't worry, we're not going to say any names if you've sent something and you're suddenly worried that we're going to call you out. We don't. We, we would not do that without permission, So sure. since we don't have permission so far. But, but yeah, that's what we thought we would do today is just share some listener messages with you. Definitely. Well, so the first thing that seems really appropriate to start with is we did get a lot of really fun suggestions about some nicknames or some titles for this really lovely community that's come together. And I think we had started with fellow travelers and we got some other really lovely suggestions. Someone suggested navigators, which is super duper fun. And and then we got this really great one that we're both really excited about. <laughs> Someone suggested we call y'all roadies, which we kind of giggled. And then the more we thought about it, then we're like, we love it. I for sure love it. Because it's kind of edgy because, you know, you think of roadies as 
being kind of a wandering lifestyle in a yes i don't know i've never been a roadie so i don't really know <laughs> this is the truth neither one be. of us has ever been a roadie but they they have a very serious job they need to be taken seriously and they get to work but they also know how to have a good time and yeah. um the and show wouldn't happen without them yeah it's also a little it goes with our sacred intersections metaphor of road metaphors yes. and so that was fun too I really love a good pun. It's one of my favorite things in life. And so I love that this all kind of ties together. So I, if you have other suggestions, we'd still love to hear them. But I, we're, we're going to start calling y'all roadies, our wonderful roadies. We love you. We like being roadies together. And, yeah. and we're excited to have a community together with you. So welcome roadies to episode eight. Episode eight. And, you know, and as Jill just mentioned, one of the best things about doing this so far is how quickly we feel like we have started to form a community. We joked, you heard us joke in the first few episodes, if you listen to those, how we said we would just be happy if anyone other than our immediate family listened <laughs> to this. And we've just so loved starting to hear from people and that people have some comfort levels sharing their thoughts and even disagreeing with us or just bringing other perspectives there. So that's why this episode of of starting to share some of that with you felt really good for us to yes. do it this way. Yeah. So thank you for reaching out to us and, and please keep reaching out to us. We really love hearing from you and we're glad to be on this journey together, roadies. Yay. Oh, I love the way that sounds. <laughs> that's awesome. So let's talk about some of the feedback that we've gotten. Yeah. So we've had we've had just some people share thoughts about episodes. We've had some actual upfront questions, seeking our thoughts on things. And so as usual, we just want to to let you know that again our mission is not to make you think like us it's just to make you think so as you figured out by now we have opinions on lots of things and we're happy <laughs> to share them but we don't share any of this with this is the final answer on anything we are just sharing our thoughts and are happy to to provide some perspective and hopefully that will encourage you to seek your own perspective too yeah yeah and we're, we're it's a conversation and we're sharing things from this particular moment in time we're really grateful, as you heard in our COVID episode, that we shared some numbers and then did a little bit more research and, and follow up afterwards and learned that there was some discrepancy there. And so just want to be upfront with you all that we're always learning and we know that we make some mistakes and we're grateful when you feel comfortable disagreeing with us or being kind and pointing out some areas where we can improve. And so, yeah, perspectives, conversation, we're, we're great. Yeah. And, you know, that leads into one of the emails we got about feedback, because that makes me think of an email we got where someone was saying how they just feel so strongly that one of the biggest problems is people not being able to talk to each other anymore. Yeah. I think that was regarding our COVID episode and anti-maskers and how just the, the communication gets shut down. And so we're really grateful for the, that thought process. And... We hope that people who disagree with us are still comfortable listening to our episodes because yeah. even though we recognize we're passionate, we also don't want this to be a podcast that only attracts a certain label of people. You know, we resist labels in general. Sure. <laughs> and, yes. um, and so I think that's something that if we that we try to call each other out on, if we feel ourselves getting self-righteous or getting judgy or looking down our noses at anyone you know that's what we've been kind of criticizing the church in some 
religious things about. So yeah. that is part of what we, I don't think we've gotten that particular feedback, but that's something that we would certainly ask our community to hold us accountable for. Yes, exactly. Well, and it does point to something that I know we've had conversations off of the air and maybe even some on the air too about just the this this sort of bipolar approach to everything. You either agree with me or you don't agree with me. It's black or it's white. It's it's you're on the left side of things or on the right side of things. And that the enmity that's created and the the way one of our roadies suggested the lack of respect. Mm. That you don't just disagree. I don't just disagree with you and think that you're wrong, but I'm going to be very disrespectful about it as well. Is is troubling. And I, dear Rody, who shared that with us, I don't think that you're alone. I certainly feel that way. And I find myself. We were in a hardware store the other day, wearing our masks, and had arranged for some curbside pickup, and something didn't go the way we expected it to, and so. My partner and I walked inside to just go to the counter and just try and get the curbside stuff. And there were a bunch of people and there was a clerk standing at the door handing masks out to people who walked into the store without masks on. And someone said, no, thank you. And like, I couldn't help my, I was, got super judgy and I felt very strongly about why this would be happening. And I just found myself being sad because I wanted to understand where they were coming from. What would what would prompt them to turn that down in a store when like COVID continues to get more and more and more serious? It's it's made it into some of our families as people we love who share our DNA have tested positive. And as we struggle with that, it even feels more and more passionate about why people think this way and I hear the judgment in my voice as I'm saying that and just wishing that there could be the opportunity for this conversation and knowing that COVID doesn't allow for that right now it's it's really hard for there to be a conversation about it because we're so isolated yeah this seems to be the way that people are having conversations in spaces like this or on social media and so this is our way of kind of having this conversation and we realize it's kind of a one-sided conversation on a lot of issues. And we also hope we leave room for for that nuance. And even when we disagree with someone, you know, that I think I said in the last episode, that it's just really hard for people to hear someone else until they feel heard. Yes. And that's, I think, where we are in so many ways is just not being willing to listen to each other. But because we're always trying to talk. Right. And you know, I, when I heard actually a client said this to me many years ago, he said, there's two kinds of people in the world, people who listen and people who are waiting to talk. Mm-hmm. And it's fascinating. Um, so, so I think part of this is us showing that we're listening, that we're doing yeah. a lot of talking, we realize, but we're also listening and, and we're trying to balance that with recognizing that sometimes we have to reach a point where we say, I'm not listening anymore because I have listened and what you're saying is dangerous or toxic and we don't, and it's our job to create a safe space in other ways. So that's kind of, I think, a constant balance probably for you as a religious leader and the responsibility that comes with that. And for me as a professor and kind of what I allow and really wanting to respect different viewpoints, but then also 
eventually having to take some stands in some places. Sure. So, so you think you'll you'll see some of that come up in some of the feedback that we've received yeah. from from our dear roadies as well. Yeah. And I think one of my big prayers is, you know, for this very moment. Like, I don't even need to wait for 2021. Like, that there be this return to civil discourse mm. and and educated, thoughtful conversation. And not seeing each other as the enemy. Right. And othering. I, yes. I love the way that you, we have helped me to turn that into a verb of just othering people into... Yeah, Someone who doesn't disagree humanity. with me. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So thanks for that feedback and, and thanks for holding us accountable to to working on that with each other and, and with folks who disagree with us. And Yeah. And perhaps related to that was a question we got from a listener who, who sent this several weeks ago. I think this was probably in relation to our earlier episodes where we were speaking more generally about religious harm and the concept of religious abuse, perhaps even it might've come from someone who had heard me on the Dan Koch podcast that you have permission podcast where I really dug into the dissertation research and without getting into the specifics that this listener emailed about, he was asking, basically he had shared a situation where some, what he considered a religious abuse or definitely religious harm had happened and was just asking, what do you do when other religious leaders aren't willing to acknowledge that harm has occurred, where they're really just denying that mm-hmm. existence of religious abuse or religious harm? What do you do when they're just, you know, trying to sweep it all under the rug and pretend like this didn't happen? And if it did happen, it's not a big deal. So that was kind of, I believe this person was in the ministry dealing with other ministers. I'm not clear if it was within the same system or if there were larger systems in his area. And that's a really tough one. Yeah, it is. It breaks my heart to think about that. I I want to be cautious because I know I get it wrong as a religious leader a lot. And I also just in response to that question, want to say that a resistance to being questioned is troublesome. And I think I feel comfortable saying a resistance to being questioning in any, in science, in healthcare, in in art, in English, in literature, like name your, in math. I'm, you know, I'm, I hate math, but <laughs> like lack of transparency and lack of openness points to a resistance of, of something of, of not wanting to be there. And, and I mean, Paul, you just said that people need to be heard. And so to sweep something under the rug or to deny that something has occurred without even giving someone the opportunity to say, this has been my experience and to try and honor that experience. I I think particularly religious leaders, but all of us as humans, I think it's important for us to be able to allow people their experience, to, to allow them to say, this is what I am feeling. And a feeling isn't necessarily something that we disagree with. Like, you feel what you feel. I don't share that feeling personally, but I can't disagree with the fact that you feel, you know, like my pinky hurts. You can't disagree with me saying my pinky hurts because you can't feel what my pinky feels. Like, that is a gross oversimplification, but 
you know, what to do when religious leaders don't agree that religious harm has occurred, my gut reaction is that doesn't seem like a very safe religious community. Yeah, it makes me think back to some of the research I did on just the, the idea of religious harm and religious abuse overall and what are the characteristics of systems where this is more likely to occur. And of course, as we discussed in those episodes, can occur anywhere within any religion, within any church, there's potential for um, the sacred to be twisted and for harm to occur. But certainly it seems like those systems that have a very authoritarian approach where there are leaders in place who are not willing to be questioned or who are very demanding of maintaining their control, where there's that potential for it to happen, you know, where there's not a lot of transparency. And so I don't know if that was happening in this listener's situation, but but that is something that, yes, I would continue to caution people if you're in a religious system where the religious leader is not willing to have a conversation with you about something or who shuts down any kind of questioning or other perspectives you know even when you're just talking about someone's experiences you know dismissing someone's experiences versus just because you listen to someone's experience doesn't mean you agree with it sure yeah that's I teach let me go off on counseling professor Paula for a minute like one of the main counseling skills is this idea of reflection of being able to when I'm teaching it to my students I kind of hold up my hand like this is really just a mirror where you're reflecting back to them what they've just told me and it might be a reflection of their content it might be a reflection of the feeling underneath it of the meaning of what's really going on but it is giving back to them what they gave you so kind of like that makes you really sad is an example of that even though they may not have said that that doesn't mean that you agree that they quote should be sad about that but you're just recognizing this is what they gave you and it helps people feel heard sure so being able to do that in the most minuscule way but especially in the big things to be able to say this sounds like a big deal to you let's talk about it versus let's pretend this doesn't this didn't happen right right and I might say you've heard me say everybody needs a paid friend (laughs) and you know how strongly I feel about being in counseling perhaps if you're experiencing a what you feel might be religious abuse, perhaps an outside party would be helpful in helping you process that to come up with some good ways to have that conversation. And perhaps in the midst of that situation is not the perfect time to confront said leader and say, I'm experiencing religious abuse in this way, right this way, right now, that 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 the help of an outside perspective, like perhaps a paid friend, a counselor, or something like that, mm-hmm. is 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 a good step in that direction. Or someone who just might be able to give a little bit of an objective point of view mm-hmm. to just add another. To validate your concerns, and that's what's happened. Yeah. yeah. And I just think of the, what this question is, what's underneath this question, too, is like, how do we speak truth to power? In, yes. Just in general, because religious leaders are in very powerful positions, and some of them understand that power. Some of them don't. Some of them understand it and misuse that power. Sometimes this denial that something bad is happening within this system is coming from a malicious place. Sometimes it's not malicious. Sometimes it's just a, 
they really don't understand that it's a big deal or they just don't have the time to deal with it or they really think it's going to be more harmful to talk about it than not to talk about it. So when we think about the ways that we speak truth to power, that's hard. And that's not usually done in one big sweeping West Wing speech right. <laughs> right there at the end. You know, I think our movies and TV shows have conditioned us to think that like injustice gets managed at the town hall meeting where someone stands up and then all of a sudden everyone's on board. Yes. And if only, <laughs> if only yeah. If only we all had those moments when everyone who needs to be in the room's in the room and hears right. the conversation. Sure. But usually it's more of a chipping away. Yeah. Usually it's more of a conversation here and a prayer here and an email here or communication here. And so that may be part of it is realizing that this is coming from a much bigger I want to say cover up, but just that there's a, probably a lot at work here. Sure. And there might be a lot of chipping away to happen. Yeah. And I think there's also room uh, from a theological perspective to give the, the benefit of goodness, of good intentions. And not everyone is a mind reader. No one is a mind reader. In fact, not everyone is a mind reader. No <laughs> one is a mind reader. And, and so to look at these as conversations, as not a, you are part of the system that's propagating religious abuse and therefore my enemy. And so I'm cutting you off immediately and we're not going to have this conversation and more of that othering or that Mm -hmm. us-theming to having a conversation and opening people's minds and thoughts. And I know for me personally, in reference to our race episode, as a white woman, I have I'm continually learning things and readjusting my vocabulary and learning how I say things and what I say things and trying to develop more self-awareness so that I can do better and ask for grace in the in the process and I would hope that in the best of intentions if there are religious leaders who are rug sweeping and who are denying that things exist, that maybe it genuinely comes from a place where they need to have the opportunity to have one of those conversations where there's mutuality and there's openness and a desire to learn. And I would say if there's not that mutuality, if there's not that openness and that continual shutting down, then that's not only public, it might even be toxic. Yeah. Yeah. I love your reminder about mind reading because I when I taught classes on communication like one of the big things that I shared right from the beginning is mind reading is often the biggest barrier to miscommunication and it's from two perspectives it's thinking you know what someone else is thinking without actually asking or checking in and how often we're wrong about that because everybody's in their own world and coming from a lot of different perspectives that you may have no idea what's happening But even more dangerous in some ways is that expecting other people to know what you're thinking, expecting other people to read your mind. And especially if you're a highly intuitive person, you know, and you can kind of see things without having to be told them directly. It can be confusing because there's most people need to be told things directly as opposed to figuring out for themselves. So things that are really obvious to you may not be so obvious to other people. Right. So that's why this kind of like, They should know that hurts my feelings or they should know that's religious harm or they should know not to do that. To stop and ask yourself, well, how should they know that? Have I told them that? Have I communicated? So being intentional about some communication can certainly 
be a step and can be what we talked about earlier. Instead of just shutting down and putting up walls and assuming someone's the enemy, saying, I'm going to give you an opportunity to understand where I'm coming from. And I want to understand where you're coming from. They both have to exist for real communication to happen. And also, I really appreciate what you said about there comes a point where sometimes you've had that conversation or you've attempted to have that conversation. You've reached out to people and they're just not open to it. So anytime you speak truth to power, there's risk there. You know, again, it's not that movie moment where the underdog wins and people see truth on Mally. Sometimes speaking truth to power can come at great cost to us. And sometimes that cost is recognizing a system is you've done what you can to impact the system and the system's not going to change. And so you have to decide if you're going to continue to play a role in that system or walk away. So a classic answer in the counseling world is it depends. Sure. So this is a big, it depends. Well, while we're on that subject, one of uh, another piece of feedback that we got or question that we got was starting the conversation of how do we move forward as a unified body of Christ? Or um, I would you know, expand that even farther of how do we move forward as a, as a worshiping community, however that worshiping community defines itself. Like, are there times when we lose our friends or we have to hit mute on social media or unfollow on social media because of um, conspiracy theories or, or things like that? How, how do we move forward? So how would you respond to that as our mental health professionals. This is really hard. This is so hard for me personally because so much of my passion around doing this research on religious abuse and seeing so many clients who've been harmed by it, but my also my personal passion as a Christian and as someone who really tries to follow Jesus, some of my passion has been the way I feel Jesus has been misrepresented in the world and wanting to provide some corrective words or corrective experiences and I certainly hear in that me thinking that I'm right and someone else is wrong and and I'm resistant to that idea and yet I think it's true that I just I'm I've been so frustrated with some some things that have been done in the name of Jesus that I feel like don't reflect Jesus and that's why we started this podcast sure and so it's hard so I kind of hear this question that we got from yes another great roadie about how to move forward as a unified body of Christ with all of these different thoughts and these different factions happening and I go part of me this is me personally speaking not me from a professional perspective going like I don't want to move forward with some people who are (laughs) Jesus because I don't feel like they're representing the Jesus that I worship and the Jesus that I know right and so part of it I think is figuring out who we choose to be unified with and that doesn't mean that I'm disrespectful of people who have other views but it means that I don't think that we're necessarily in the same camp so that does that's the exact opposite of the question but that's just that's the reaction I had just now when this came up yeah yeah well so I think an example of this for me is the that our church family is part of a a regional interfaith council where there are there are Jesus followers of every t- diverse type that could be imagined and more would be welcomed. And there are there is a Jewish congregation. There are a number of lay Buddhists that are a part of that interfaith council. There are people that um, are humanist. And 
the way that that council operates and interacts and schedules programs and things with one another is a really beautiful thing because particularly like our congregation's relationship with the Jewish congregation that happens to be just up the road. It it warms my heart to no end when that congregation's rabbi calls us their sister congregation. You know, that we could be in this familial relationship with people who don't share a very critical belief of our faith um, in, in Jesus being the Messiah and that we respect one another's traditions. We have gone and celebrated Jewish holidays like Hanukkah and Purim with them. They have come to us and celebrated with us. Their rabbi has preached a Sunday sermon in our sanctuary before. And so we have this relationship and I I see that as such like a vision of the beloved community where we can all move forward together and we don't have to agree on everything. Like we're still going to celebrate Christmas and Easter and have a tremendous amount of love in our hearts for our Jewish siblings and God's family. And I think that there are some possibilities in moving forward in unity as part of God's family and that we still have that unity within diversity. The image I think about is the Pentecost story that we hear in Acts 2 where everyone is speaking different languages and those languages aren't being translated, but they're understood in the ears and the mind and the heart of the listener. So there is still this gift of diversity, but there's unity within that diversity. When it comes to like social media and and things like that, sometimes I have a friend who says unfollow saves lives and friendships (laughs) and relationships too. Like there are times when, because I think people have these different you know, there's the person that you know and love who you used to get together for coffee with all the time, and they had a different personality online because mm-hmm. certain people have different degrees of boldness mm-hmm. when they're sitting behind their computer screen. And I think that there are times when there just has to say, okay, I disagree with you. Yeah. And for the sake of our friendship, that just needs to be something that, that we don't talk about. I, I have people in my life who I love very dearly, who I disagree with on some pretty critical things. There's there's a person very dear to me who struggles to understand the purpose of women in ministry, which is clearly very important to me. <laughs> <laughs> and we just try not to make that a huge focal point. And yet they're point. still in your life. Um, they are. They are. And to a different degree than I think they would be if they felt differently. But yeah. There's, you know, you have to navigate how that goes. And I think that if we want to follow the example of Jesus, Jesus was not like with everybody all the time. Jesus disagreed with people. Jesus spoke truth to power. Jesus told people like, I need to not be around you. Like Jesus got in the boat and went off by himself. But as you say that, I'm I'm feeling very convicted. That's a good Baptist term that I still carry around. But it's, I think it's purposeful at times that Jesus also had conversations with people he disagreed with. Jesus didn't avoid those conversations always. Yeah. He, he, I'm sure he reached a point where he said, all right, you're not going to get it. And I've said all I can say, which we can learn from that as well. Sure. But he didn't just say, you're not, you're not getting it this you're not automatically getting it so I'm not going to talk to you anymore right and so so I hear 
you know, what I shared just a few minutes ago that, yes, I'm resistant to those who I think are misusing the name of Christ. And I also know that change comes in relationship, you know, that it's that people don't usually change their minds by getting yelled at or from a social media post that calls them wrong and stupid. So, you know, they're also, if I go back to some of those rules of assuming good intent that I share with my classes, that, that just taking that opportunity to say, you say you're a follower of Jesus, let's talk about what that means and why I disagree with you. So, so there has to be some willingness on my side even if there's not always willingness on the other side to have some of those conversations. Sure. And I think we see this with what this podcast is as well. Right. Is hoping that people will listen and perhaps reimagine some things that have perhaps become entrenched in a way that isn't necessarily from Christ or from the Bible. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think sometimes a venue change is helpful too. Like if you're continually hearing, I imagine myself, if I were continually hearing something hurtful or damaging on social media if I was reading that from one person on social media and unfollow wasn't an option or I still really wanted to be in a relationship I wonder if you take it off social media rather than it being this public discourse where it's very sort of one-sided and then one-sided like what happens if you pick up the phone and say hey I noticed that you posted this on Facebook and I just would like to you know could you tell me about what prompted you to post that or Talk to me about how you're feeling. And yeah, when you're having that live conversation over the phone and like, friends, hear me. I don't love talking on the phone. I would prefer <laughs> a text message to a phone call almost all the time. But you have the, the, the timing and the opportunity to have more of a conversation that's not quite so one-sided. And maybe there's an opportunity per, to to deepen that relationship or preserve that relationship. And then maybe there's other times where the best thing to do is to say, I care about you and I care about us. And for that reason, I need to walk away from this conversation. Yeah. And so maybe just continuing to assess within yourself where you are along that process of don't abandon relationships or other communities or things like that just because we disagree you know, don't just, well, you're not on my side, so I'm not going to deal with you anymore. Let's push ourselves to try to be in community and reach out to each other. But let's also recognize when the time has come to either set a limit on that and agree to disagree and remain in community or to recognize there also comes a time when we have to say to each other, I will not stand for this. Mm. I will not stand for you using my savior's name in this way. Or I'm going to call you out on this and I've tried to do it in a respectful way. And now I'm going to just walk away from you because, and this is why. Like yeah. I also believe in being really clear with people about it. and But also trying to leave the door open if at some point you want to talk about this in a further way. Sure. Because I think we'll probably have some episodes on this. But certainly, you know, religious leaders in, who are participating in religious harm who tend to be more from that authoritarian or controlling perspective often are coming with a narcissistic slant and are not super interested in having a conversation and hearing what you say. They're only interested in being heard. And so you can give it a try. And then there's also a time to realize like this ain't working, this ain't working. And I'm going to, 
just drop the rope and I'm not going to continue to engage in this. And so, so just recognizing there's not one right answer for this. How do we move forward? But assessing where we are with other communities or other people and engage and putting in some work. It's, it's hard work. It is hard work. Yeah. So, so yeah, so those were a few different questions that seem to connect to each other in, um, that we really, and all of these questions came with much larger stories and that we really appreciated these listeners that, that shared this and why this has come up for them. Another question we had was, I was an interesting one because this was the one episode that we did two takes on <laughs> the, yes. the COVID episode we recorded. We thought we were done. And then we both started reflecting on it and just felt really strongly that we needed to re-record that one because of the way that it went in the re-recording. We left out something, a story that you had shared that I think was really interesting. And then we happened to get an email from a listener So it was the COVID episode and we were talking about perhaps why some churches have been so insistent about meeting in person Mm -hmm. and and we're us just being a little baffled by why some churches might insist on that and how God is not contained in four walls. And if you haven't listened to the episode, there's a lot more there on that. But someone who I believe was coming from a Roman Catholic background shared that um, from her perspective, it might be the sacraments being... The need of the sacraments to be in person being shared. And you had shared a story actually about that in our first take that didn't make it into the second take. So so maybe share a little bit about how you've navigated doing the Lord's Supper and sacraments in virtual church. Yeah. Well, so I love the, you know, we've talked before about the sacraments being some of the really special sacred portions of our worship. And I love our sacramental theology. In the Presbyterian Church USA, we profess and believe in two ritual sacraments, the sacrament of communion, which is the Lord's Supper, and sometimes it's called the Eucharist, and the sacrament of baptism. And other denominations and faiths do things a little bit differently. And I think the Roman Catholic Church has other sacraments. But the process of thinking about the Lord's Supper was really difficult for me as a religious leader. I remember going through all of my ordination exams and everything and just being so excited about being able to administer the sacraments. And I love communion and food is really important to me and table theology is really important to me. And and we got to COVID and we're worshiping remotely and we're getting towards the end of Lent when we celebrate Maundy Thursday, which is the night when the words of institution that are the Lord's Supper, that that's when that took place. And I remember freaking out about it and not knowing what to do. How are we going to celebrate Monday Thursday if we don't have communion? And I have dear, wonderful colleagues who are part of the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America who have a slightly different understanding of the sacrament. And they believe in something called transubstantiation. So many nerd alerts where the bread and the wine turn into when prayed over the body and blood of Christ and that there's a very holy, sacred thing that takes place. Whereas in the Presbyterian Church USA, we believe that there is a, they are sacred symbols, that it's a ritual, that when the bread is prayed over, it does not turn into flesh. 
but that it is reminding us of the sacrifice that Christ made in the giving of his life. So all of these things are going through my mind and the ordination exams and everything. And I remember freaking out about how we were going to have communion and talking to one of my favorite people on earth about it, who's also a minister. And I was like, I don't know if, if, you know, what if we're recording this YouTube service and someone decides on some random Wednesday in August to just give themselves communion. Like, that can't happen. It's so, like, the rule is the communion has to be administered by an ordained minister and has to happen in the context of worship. And there needs to be, and all of these rules. And as we start thinking about, like, rules being prioritized over people, it just... Which was one of our themes in religious harm and religious abuse. And it just, as I, as I freaked out about this, my very, very, very dear friend said, what would be wrong with that? With that one person, you know, what could be wrong, Jill, with someone on a random Wednesday in August feeling like they needed the nourishment and sustenance and grace that is imparted to us in celebrating the Lord's Supper and decided, I I am going to give this to myself. And it doesn't matter if it's donuts and coffee or bread and wine or rice cakes and water. That it's these these ordinary things that we literally pray over and we say ordinary made holy by your presence. It just was such a beautiful realization of like God's grace is not bound to four walls, nor is it bound to the Hawaiian bread that we buy in the special round loaf or the Welch's grape juice that is poured out of this particular ceramic vessel. That Hawaiian bread is really good, though. It is super good. (laughs) Had my dear bestie not been like, what's wrong with someone on a random Wednesday in August? And so that was like back in March or April. And I remember at some point in August, I was like, it's a random Wednesday in August. And I went back and watched, not that particular one, but like had some communion myself and just thought like, this is a really beautiful giving of God's spirit. And that just was beautiful to me that God's grace can be imparted through a screen on Mm -hmm. random Wednesdays in August and April and every month on either side of those and that 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 could happen there and Mm -hmm. wanting so desperately to respect my Lutheran colleagues and my Lutheran siblings in God's family who went for a very, very long time without celebrating communion and were fasting from the sacrament because part of that ritual celebration is done in community. Mm That brings up a few things as I hear you talking about it, because, you know, what I hear in that first off is your willingness to grow and learn and look at how these rules might be getting in the way of someone's connection with God or the spiritual or the church or, you know, that kind of thing. And that you were willing to let that go, even though that rule and more ritual than rule was really important to you. And this recognition of the the point of rituals is to point us to God. Yeah. God didn't give us direction to worship the ritual. We were using the ritual to worship God. And so your willingness to expand your idea of what communion and the Lord's Supper and the Eucharist 
me from what had been really important to you before that you weren't tied to that. So, so that I just really admire that you were willing to, to let go of what was really important to you. And, and that's, I mean, that's easy for me as a, someone who grew up as a Baptist drinking grape juice and, you know, little red squares. It's always been symbolic for me, you know? Mm -hmm. And so this idea of, yeah, using a Skittle for my Lord's Supper, you know, is not meant to be sacrilegious. It's just, it's a symbol of Jesus's body broken for me. So I can eat that and it will be fine. And it was also just a great expansion. And the email from this listener being a great expansion of the different traditions and practices and meanings that they have and recognizing, you know, taking out a little bit of my judgment of people who really insist on being together because this is so sacred to them to have this in person yeah. together. Yeah. Um, well, and, and, and perhaps it was this particular listener, it may have been a different one that talked about the ways in which the act of worshiping in person or the act of celebrating the elements became that which was worshiped and so became an idol mm -hmm. instead of worshiping God, it became, no, 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 we have to do it this way, the way it always has been, which is, I think a danger that the church runs into and has been running into for a very long time. Mm -hmm. um, into the that. phrase, this is the way we've always done things. Mm. Mm -mm. <laughs> oh, I have so many feelings about that phrase. <laughs> That's another one where look at your motivation. That's what we said in that COVID episode. Like yeah. it's not so much that we want to judge the decision as much as we just want to be sure that people have really examined their motivation and why it's important to be together in a room together, perhaps singing, which is one of the main ways that COVID has been spread. We found, you know, what is driving that and just really being willing to examine, is this out of pure intentions or is this, is there something else going on here? Right. So just a few more questions. We, we thought this was going to be a mini episode and we right. should have known better. <laughs> we should have known ourselves yeah. better than that. One of our early, we, this was also an early email that we got from someone. I believe this was one of our Canadian listeners who, when we were talking about episodes that were upcoming, and then we actually had an episode on your faith has made you well. Yes. Um, this listener, this roadie was asking about, I've never, I'm, I'm just going to read this part. I've never thought before about how this sentence, your faith has made you well, could be so harmful. And Jesus said it. Does that mean Jesus wasn't perfect? He wasn't omniscient or om omnipotent. Pastor Jill, I will punt to you for the first word on this. Yeah. So, wow. Um, so I will say for me personally, when I went through my journey of a theological education, I must have asked myself that question so many times. Jesus wasn't perfect. Jesus, like, why would Jesus do this? Why would Jesus say this? And the ways in which we break, you know, uh, break down and pick apart what we believe and how we believe and sort of flesh out how we understand things is going to raise questions. And so, like, first thing, dear Rhodey, is like, Yes. Welcome to the welcome to the questioning. Yes, Jesus said something that people have interpreted to be harmful. And that's 
a hard thing to understand because we think Jesus is perfect. Jesus is our savior. And we have this, this perspective about Jesus. And I think that in scripture, we're invited to work out our salvation and to, to pick apart and that that doubt is not this mortal sin, but something that helps us understand our beliefs better. And I don't have an answer, like everything else that we've <laughs> talked about in this episode, but uh, it is, I think, part of the journey of following Jesus yeah. to pick apart what that means. I think there are a lot of implications that have little to do with Jesus. Like the fact that we are reading something and translated something that has been translated over and over and over again, you know, like the game Piction, uh, Telephone, where, you know, someone says something and then that message goes around the circle and then the last person on the other end of the circle says something and it's like vastly different from what it was heard. Scripture was written down generations after the stories were written. So there's all these layers to how we read scripture. There are mistranslations in scripture. See episode about Moses and the horns. Um, <laughs> and so there's lots of ways in which we don't have a great understanding of what was going on. Maybe what Jesus was saying is your faith, your attempts at belief are getting you closer to where you're supposed to be or has made you whole. Like there are so many different ways to interpret that and look at that. Yeah. And we also, I think, need to acknowledge that there are times when Jesus said things that we find problematic. Yeah. And when when I have those times, for me, and maybe this is a little oversimplified, but for me, my, my answer is yes, Jesus was perfect. Like that I that I, I'm still wrapping my brain around the fully human and fully divine, but that, that when there are these questions, that it's more about how we've twisted them rather than Jesus's intention in that moment being twisted. And so, you know, and again, we did a whole episode since we got this question from this listener. So I think we may have addressed the nuance here, but the the concern with me with this statement was not that Jesus said it, it was how Religious leaders have taken that and twisted it and used it in ways that has been harmful. Yes. Using it to shame someone because they weren't well, because they didn't have enough faith, which I don't think is ever the case. Sure. So, yes. and I don't think that contradicts Jesus saying your faith has made you well Yeah. in, in that particular part. But I just think that can, can be taken out of context. It can also be, I had a pastor say one time that, looking at the lens, looking at the Bible through a few different lenses. One is discerning things that were meant for all time and things that were meant for that time or that particular situation or that particular society. And so, um, so looking at kind of that instance of Jesus saying it, I think our intention in bringing that up as problematic was not that Jesus said it. It's the way that people have used that and weaponized that against people. Right. Yeah. Well, and just thinking about Jesus as the great includer rather than the great excluder. Mm -hmm. So there are times when we hear the phrase, your faith has made you well, and think to ourselves, well, I'm not well, so that must mean I don't have enough faith. Well, that might not necessarily be the case. We want want the words of Jesus to be 
a bringing together and right. a gathering of the whole family. So the ways that not just religious leaders, but even religious communities sort of embody that, oh, we all prayed so hard and our prayers worked. That doesn't mean when things don't go the way you want them to that your prayers didn't work. Right. They just, you know, like there's yeah. there's a nuance to it. And, and yes, we did dedicate an entire episode to this. But I think I just want to encourage anyone and everyone out there, when you start to pick apart the things that you believe and you find things that are problematic, it's okay to be troubled by that. It's yeah. okay to to feel saddened by a belief that you've held since childhood that might not be the most helpful way that other people have thought of that. Yeah. There may be folks out there who have prayed really hard for something and that phrase, your faith has made you well, has brought them healing and wholeness and transformation and they really value that. And their God is big enough and God's family is big enough for that to be honored as well. In that episode, we also talk about the like what do we mean by well and the many yes. varieties of what even well or whole or that kind of thing might right. mean. You know, other stuff, our most recent episode since uh, at the time we're recording was our first episode on race. And we have yeah. gotten a few comments and just kind of like, what about this? How do, what particularly should church leaders be doing about this? Or you didn't mention this really important point, a few of those. Yeah. And so we just want to emphasize we love that feedback and we're keeping a list of everything that's coming in around that. And we want to be really clear that is one of what we hope will be many episodes on that topic. That that was never intended to be an inclusive, definitive, here's what white Christians should be doing about race. Because, oh my gosh. We could do a whole podcast just on that topic. Yeah. So um, yeah. so just know that there are more discussions about that coming, and we want to hear your thoughts. Definitely. Definitely. There's one resource in particular that I, I remember I really wanted to, to talk about, and there just wasn't a, a place to stick it in. But I think about um, a book called Dear Church, which is written by Lenny Duncan. Lenny Duncan is a minister, pastor in the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America. And it's Dear Church, a letter to the whitest denomination in America. And is he a black man? He is a black man. Lenny Duncan is a black man. And it's this beautiful love letter to the ELCA about different practices that they have embodied and just the way in which this particular black man encounters certain practices that might not occur to anyone else. There's one particular story where he talks about there's a certain office in the ELCA where uh, you are expected to wear a certain kind of garment. When you're like, when I preach, I often wear a black robe and a stole, which is like a scarf that goes around my neck. This particular office, they wear a white robe and it has a hood. Aye, aye, aye. And that is might not occur to anyone in that capacity mm. and yet a black man being asked to wear a white robe with a hood that's just one of those times when we need to look at the institution of the church and say here is something where maybe not everyone needs to do it this exact way sort of like i was we were just reflecting on the practice of the sacraments Maybe if we just expand our way of thinking a little bit, and that was a really unique perspective, and I really appreciate 
the work that the Reverend Duncan has done. And I would just recommend that book to religious leaders and uh, particularly white religious leaders that that's a really powerful witness to. And just what an example of when things, when rituals and institutions and all of these things are designed around without diverse views put in. Sure. Things that are so easy to miss that seem really obvious perhaps in retrospect to some people. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, so we can maybe spend a whole episode on just that book. Sure. Um, yeah. That's yeah. Other, many more discussions to come around that. So we also got some um, some suggestions for maybe upcoming episodes. Are there any that you saw, Paula, that you're particularly um, excited about or enthused about? There were lots of really fun ones. The specific ones we got was from from one of our male listeners asking us to talk about toxic masculinity, which I think can be a really fascinating conversation about the church like we we think about gender roles of course us being women and you being a woman in a leadership role in the ministry but to think about it from what's being taught to men and their role and who they're allowed to be in the church and other things they can take on I think that will be really fascinating of course we we will be talking about women in the ministry we had a really fascinating email from one of our our roadies one of our listeners about Things she had been taught in class around blaming Eve for mm. just all problems in humanity mm. and deconstructing I have so many that feelings. a little bit. <laughs> I thought you might have some <laughs> thoughts about that, Jill. Mm. Um, we've been asked to talk more about spiritual bypass, which yes. was that concept that we mentioned early on, which can be a part of religious harm where people kind of just skip some of the work of healing and go straight to God will fix it. I don't need to do anything else. And yes. and and perhaps particularly in regard to the prosperity gospel. Yeah. So that's one that will be coming up in 2021 for sure. Definitely. Um, and we still have our whole list that we started right. when we first started planning to do this podcast. So, so and in addition to that, we got some, uh, we've had a request from this from several people. We're so kind of honored that people have asked for this is people asking if we'll provide discussion guides for our episodes. We've had several people wanting to listen to an episode and perhaps discuss it in a small group at church. People have said this could be a good way of meeting virtually to have people listen on their own and then come in and discuss that. So so I'm going to say it on this podcast, so we'll have to commit to it. <laughs> <laughs> that, yeah, I think we can do that, that we can provide a discussion guide, even if it's just a few just questions to help facilitate some conversations and put that on our website, which is sacredintersectionspodcast.com. Definitely. Um, yeah. If there's a roadie out there thinking, I've thought of really great ways that this could be used in Sunday school and want to share their talent with us yeah. in that way, we would, we would yeah. welcome your collaboration. Or if you've already done that. Several of you told us you were going to do that. So if you've already done it, let us know what that looked like yeah. and how you, how you navigated that sacred intersection love it love it love it yeah yeah as we look to 2020 what what do we hope for what do we hope for with our podcast we hope for a lot of things but we're specifically looking at turning the page on 2020 and moving into 2021 what are our hopes and dreams yeah where are our sacred intersections going to take us yeah well i know that huge part of the motivating force behind starting this podcast was the the nurturing the creation of and nurturing of a community 
where conversation could happen, where it was a safe space to ask questions and to find resources and share resources. So I know I hope for a growing of that community. I would love to to check out some of the resources that you all, our dear roadies, recommend and share resources with you and for us to just be on this journey together. I think that's one of the very unique blessings that the coronavirus pandemic has afforded is that we have an international community that we can communicate with and we yeah. didn't have that eight episodes ago. I know, which is we heard from Singapore. Hi again, Singapore. We heard after our first shout out. So yeah, we do have people literally all over the world hearing. So we would love to continue to be a resource, but we would love to share resources that you have. Hopefully you've checked out after our episode on race, Jill worked so hard and put together an amazing page on our website that has a whole bunch of resources on race and ways to educate yourself and we'd love to continue adding to that we'd love to add new pages of resources that you have we can share stuff on social media so so when you have resources that you think would be helpful for any of the things we talk about we would love for yeah this to be a way to get that out to the community as well definitely and just like you have said before paula is that this is an opportunity for you to help you think. We don't want you to think the way that we do. We just want to help you think. If by some chance we didn't get to your question or you have other things, we would love for you to reach out to us or interact with us. You Paula mentioned our website, sacredintersectionspodcast.com. You can listen to our episodes on that website. You can leave comments and interact with us there. You can email us at sacredintersectionspodcast at gmail.com. You can find us on social media. Yep. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Sacred Intersections Podcast. You can find us on Twitter Twitter at Sacred Pod. Whatever platform you're listening to us on now, you can continue to listen to us. You can subscribe. We are grateful for those of you that had the chance to share a review on Apple Podcasts. We have two reviews. It's very exciting and we are we love you roadies we like you a lot we've said it before and we'll say it again we're glad that you're here and we like you a lot yep so happy new year or happy august if you're listening to this in the future (laughs) whenever you're listening to this happy day and safe travels on all your sacred intersections throughout the week